Hi, Tribe. I'm Evelyn. And I'm Versavia. And you're listening to Objectively Typed, a podcast where we explore the objective personality system. So today we will be talking to Dave Powers himself, the creator of the objective personality system or co-creator, um, <laughs> discoverer. I don't even know, like something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What do, what do you guys call yourselves? Uh, busy. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so uh, we wanted to, uh, in this interview, we wanted to talk a little bit less about the system yeah. itself and a little bit more to get to know you, your struggles, um, basically get it your NF because you're an NF hippie, but like you don't come off as a hippie. Well, at thank all. you. Like, I try to edit as much as I can. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we do want to kind of, kind of pick at that a little bit, a little bit more, try to get to know the, the FI of yeah. Dave. Um, any anything else for Savia? No, that about covers it. I'm curious if like um, if someone's like for you NF and sleep. If the reason NF is not as visible is because it's all internal. Oh, I think a lot of it for me is like kind of hitting my mid 30s of like going so extreme into my type. You know, like looking at the data sets now and looking at people that are the same or similar type as me that are that that are you know NIFI sleep class play or whatever. Like they're real intense, crazy people. You know, it's just kind of speaking on the spectrum here, you know, and so like I had that uh, kind of issue, but to an extreme in the extreme. So I was just very all in on my saviors. So it was really great because I was able to kind of like run the rocket at full throttle and blow it up sooner and more clear. So like <laughs> I got myself into so much trouble being all in on my saviors that even I can see it at a young age at 35. Yeah. And so now it's like, you know, I, I feel like I'm older than I am in the sense of like I feel very kind of like sick of that original Dave, you know, like that kind of person has died. And so I, I make it like my hobby, my passion, my biggest priority in life is building that ST side. Like I've really switched teams. Like I love okay. the ST and I see a lot of negativity to the NF, my, my original saviors, you know, so if you're a different type, it's going to be yeah. the other way around, you know? Um, right. And yeah. so from there, that's kind of where, you know, now that I come on camera now and it's like, it's uh we we still do editing too like we'll we'll kind of like write the shows or or get a structure a little bit um and so when I'm like showing up to video I'm trying to really stay conscious of coming across balanced and then I'll edit my own videos too so I'll edit out a lot of the NF rants that I'll do um so like getting to know me no more in person or coming over to my house like okay yeah. there's his weirdo side here we go now I see it. his weirdo side yeah yeah so I was gonna ask about that so that's like one of the one of the notes I have written down is. Uh, how did you go from that crazy Dave, we'll say? Because, I, I mean, you guys yeah. have said that, right? You guys have called yourself Because I'm not, no, not yeah. going to call you crazy. <laughs> of course, I'm the most crazy probably <laughs> in this group, right? I'm yeah. the play consumer. Mathematically so speaking. <laughs> Mathematically speaking. And, yeah. you know, lead play. But how did you go from that sort of more crazy Dave side to respecting the ST? Like, what, what killed it for you? It, it was like, uh, it was a really good collision course of like several life crises all at once. So it was around, you know, early 35, give or take a couple of years. It was like right in that period of like 30, I'd say even like 31 to 37, like right in basically my, my whole 30s, okay. right? <laughs> and so it was like, um, I got married early. I got married at like 21. And so that marriage was falling okay. apart. Uh, I got into internet business early, like when I was in my mid to late 20s, like around 2004. And so that first business, the RC airplane business, that was starting to fall apart. Um, my relationship with my business partner, that was starting to fall apart. We had moved into this rental house of hell. It was something out of a movie. You guys have seen it. Like, 
and like yeah. everything was falling apart. Like they shouldn't have rented it, but the guy was like going out of the country. And so he just kind of tossed it and we were coming in right in November and the winter because we were getting kicked out of our other place because like the feds, there was some kind of issue where the, the homeowner was in trouble with the what? feds. There was like, there's oh like alligators God. involved. So like, like you know, <laughs> wait, okay. <laughs> so like, okay, I had a yeah. couple thoughts. I need to take a pause. So one, yes, that is, that does sound like S-E-T-E-K-S, yes, that, right? To an extreme, it's yeah. like all extroverted right. Right. so number one. And tribe, it's got tribe yeah. going on and it's got sensory going on. So there's all that. Uh, number two, alligator. Yeah, right? the, yeah the, the homeowner <laughs> guy at the other house that we got kicked out of, or we had to move out because yeah. the the feds were taking the house. Like he was in some kind of real estate thing that started to fall apart, oh, and he was like kind of a big tough, you know, crazy guy, like into drugs and stuff. And they had him and his buddies had some alligators for for something. I don't remember what it was, but when we moved into the house. We're like. Why is all the doorknobs broken? Why is all the door jams? And we didn't realize, we looked it up later on the internet that like the, the, the ATF or whatever like raided the house, like kicked all the doors down. Yeah. Oh like, my God. So, oh, so that's why there was Yeah, no everything was broken. So like we, and then we moved into this Jesus. place and didn't learn from the same mistake of like, we didn't research, like they're interviewing yeah. you when you go to rent a house, but you need to be interviewing them. Because the original guy was in a lot of trouble yes. with the law and then the rental place now, yes. they were really nice people. They just didn't know what the hell they were doing. So it just like I got nailed twice. He's running from one to the next. Um, and it was for me, it was like perfect because it was like my worst fears ever of like being stuck in a bad deal, a bad house, and your relationships falling apart. I remember specifically sitting down, like I'm downstairs in the downstairs studio office, but like we had a smaller room over here. I remember sitting there, I used to have my desk in there. I remember it got so intense. I remember sitting down at my desk, just going, okay, let me see if I'm really seeing this. And I pretended like I was going to work and I stopped and I leaned back and I just sat there for about 15 minutes. And then sure enough, somebody came down the stairs like, oh, the water thing broke and the water's leaking everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll be there in a minute. And then I stopped and I waited for another 20 minutes. Oh, the server just shut down and every, all of our customers and we lost the phone. Like, okay. <laughs> and I remember going, okay, this is like single observer. This is really happening. What this you're is doing. actually yes. a legitimate situation. Yeah. And I started to yeah. get like a disassociation kind of, just felt like all the stress and trauma was so real that finally you kind of just go, if I continue to run after all of these, I'm going to die because it's just, it's a joke. There's too many. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of just was able to step back. And then at the same time, I was studying the personality stuff still. And I was like, okay, I wonder if this is coming from me, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I wonder, okay. So, so what you're basically saying is like, so you could observe that the actual, I'll say objective reality, it was seriously yeah. falling apart. But where saviors and demons get into play, so this is something we were kind of chatting about before we started, is the difference between how do you know it's your own bullshit going on versus like a legitimate yeah. thing. And so what you're saying is like, yes, the reality was yeah. chaotic, but you freaking out about it is where it becomes right. a demon. Is that, yeah. you know, so you learned how to sort of separate that and kind of be like, okay, I can observe this situation without sort of entering into the play and becoming right. part of the yeah chaos. yeah i mean that's kind of what mindfulness is isn't it yeah. absolutely yep that ability to observe without necessarily right engaging. getting pulled into it emotionally mm -hmm. and it's all real yeah 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 that was yeah. the deal but i was also able to see that a lot of them were like they're you know this is where like tidal waves came from is that i saw like just say for specifics there's so many of these but one was like like tax debt like I had all this tax debt built up because the idea is like a 20 something year old kid is like, oh, it's okay. 
taxes are way too hard to do. What we'll do is we'll just make a really awesome business. It'll be so cool. We'll make tons of money and then we can just pay somebody to take care of it. And so you're saying that at the end of every year, not really taking your taxes seriously because don't worry, this next year, we're going to make all of our millions. It'll be fine, right? And so then it's like five, six, seven years later, you're like you're just, you're caught. You're caught with all this tax debt. And so you're like watching it like statistically or, you know, slowly build up over time. And you're like, okay, this wasn't a one-time thing. This wasn't a little mistake. This is a consistent neglect in this area, that area, that area, that area that was building up. And so I knew like I had hell to pay. I knew the, the only choice I had and like even friends and family were saying, hey, you got to file for bankruptcy. You got to just leave that house. Uh, you got to end that relationship. You just got to start over. And it was just like in that scene in the movie or, or wherever where they're like, oh, here comes the bad guys. Well, let's just all run. And then the one guy's like, actually, if we keep running, it's just going to keep happening you're like you're turning around like i'm gonna stay here and die and face this because i i had enough intuition to go if i run at 35 that yes i could get out of this but it's going to happen again at 45 and 55 and that's where shani describes like for somebody to really uh, change they have to be externally cornered and internally cornered (laughs) yeah that's what I, so I, that was one of my my questions I wanted to ask is like what was that it, was there a moment that was kind of like the lowest most painful sort of because I I've seen that too like you've right. got to hit a corner rock sort of bottom. and then you have to know that you're cornered case. we meet a lot of people that are so yes. screwed they're yes. so screwed in life and they have no idea they're externally cornered but they're not internally cornered because they're young they're still full yeah. of the saviors you don't even know but that's how I was you know yeah yeah. So what was that? Like, so was, was there a moment there, or was there, was it, it was just like a time a, frame, a, like, like say like, like early thirties to late thirties. And so there was like, you know, that, that kind of bend in time. And there definitely was a lower point. I can remember a few specifics where there were like jumps, just like a workout. Like there wasn't one time you got in shape. You're like, Oh, this one weekend though, I did put on two pounds. You know what I mean? So like, I remember this one specific one was like, I, I told my business partner and Shan, I'm like, all right, I'm going to take two weeks. I'm not going to take one week and I'm going to tack all this SE chaos because we were working around the clock just to keep the business going, just to stay afloat, like literally like sleeping in our clothes, working around the clock. And I'm like, I'm going to take a week vacation to stop and attack these lower ended Maslow's pyramid of actually the issues going on in the house. And they both looked at each other and went, oh no, he's crazy. Like you can't, you can't stop and then work on this. And so I went to go work on the stuff that was filling around the house um, and that had started specifically when one morning I got up and the refrigerator had like dumped water all over the floor because like it, it had died, it defrosted. And like I, I put together like, oh, this is why everybody's been getting sick the past two weeks. That the food has been going bad and we didn't know it, you know? So I'm like, okay, I'm going to now use this to declare war on this stuff for one week, which then, then at the end of the one week, I'm like, guys, I'm going to need two weeks. And then they're like, oh my God, this is, and then that two weeks turned into forever. It never stops. Life. I'm still in that two week. Yeah, it never stops. You know, that two week thing. <laughs> right, you're still there. The sensory is not going to go that's anywhere. What I, that's what I figured out. Is, is yeah, still there. still there. You can't just. <laughs> Damn it, no. You can't just throw <laughs> yeah. a shortcut at it. You got to actually be in it. Oh. Damn it. I was hoping do. that's what you'd right. tell us, that there's a shortcut. Um, so you, you mentioned about how all of these things are coming together and how it was just coming from all different sides and that at a certain point you have to just turn around and you have to face it, you know, rather than right. run away from it. So some of those things you, you did face, like, as far as I know, you guys are still living yeah. in the same place, but then other things did, you did let go, like your, your relationship, your, your past right. business. So how do you decide what is coming right. from you running and right. what is 
shit, you really need Such to let go. That's a great question. And what, for me, what I've really found is objectivity. And so you're using a triangulation feature to gauge reality, knowing that you're just one satellite of many that are locking onto the thing. And a broken clock is right twice a day. Your silly ass saviors are gonna right. be right every once in a while. Statistically speaking, not very often. You know, so if you have too many you're awesomes in a row, you're, you're in trouble, you know? So yeah. it was from, it was going to the table of objectivity of like actually reaching out to others and doing research and seeing what is happening out there and coming from a state of like, I don't care anymore. I'm not attached to anything. And then finding that, yes, mm -hmm. at times you are going to have to let this relationship go. That is what the, the data of reality is saying, whether you like it or not, you know? And so it was kind of like, I just felt like the science, the scientist's mind was kind of like a religion of, of learning to trust objectivity. Mm -hmm. And then so playing the allegedly game, like, oh, I know, like I'll have my opinion or my point of view. And I know that's just one dot in the droplet of coming together and seeing all of reality, you know, so objectivity. So what, what role does your DI have in all of this? Because at the end of the day, we all have a DI. And like you guys have said, we all have feeling and self and we all start from it in some, in some ways. So what kind of space can you create for that in a way that you're still acting objectively, but in a way that is aligned with, you know, the, the self part of your yeah. life? Yeah. Um, a lot of this is just kind of for me, like what has worked out for me is, uh, for my DI, it kind of got, it kind of turned back on itself where I felt like the first 35 years of my life, I got to go explore everything that my DI wanted to do. I was able to run in and do everything I wanted to do. And then like for myself, I kind of just had like a, like a dying period, like a, like a funeral. I'd go down to the mm -hmm. park and, you know, I'm going down to the park and crying all the time anyway. So this is like one of the things that I like factored in, you know? And, and so like, I kind of like had a, a death process for myself, like really working through mentally and emotionally that, that the selfish drives of Dave Powers have done, they've ended, I've had a great run and, and that's over. And so I've kind of like, I've taken my DI and like shoved it back onto the greater good of the mission or the team or the system. So it's like my, my FI loves the TE and my NI loves the SE. So I'm trying to get them to route back on each other. So for me now, what I love is I love objectivity. I love taking myself out of the equation. The thing that causes me the biggest stress right now in this year is that me and Shan, especially me, are the bottleneck in the business. I want to have this to where there's at least 10 of us that are, that are looking at all decisions and observations in a group and then coming together and triangulating. Because if we stay too long on like just one guy, just Dave leading the business, like over time, no matter how hard I try, I'm going to run it off this side this way, you know? So that's how it was for me is that my FI kind of fell in love with the objectivity and I enjoy watching myself want to do things like play video games and eat Cheetos all day and be like, you're not going to do that. You're going to do this, you know? <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where I'm at now, you know? Yeah. So, so would you say, so you're okay. So your FI fell in love with that, but like, did you consciously move it to that or yeah. was it like just over time kind of seeing the it, benefits I, or how, I felt, the I felt, I felt like it was a, it was a coming from a position of I lost. So it's like the cops okay. catch you. I, I don't okay. um, They didn't catch me like physically, but like using as an analogy, like <laughs> the cops catch you, the, the other side catches you yeah. and like they offer you a deal and you realize that you're cornered and you just flip and you start playing for the other side. And so it was mm -hmm. coming from the realization of like how stuck I really was and that I, I was, yeah. it was so much a religious process. Like 
growing up in the church and like having big spiritual conversions, I can tell you it's exactly the same thing of just realizing right. I'm a sinner right. and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be someone of the light, you know. Well, that sounds kind of in some ways like, you know, Jim Carrey and Byron Katie, that kind of. Yeah. Kind of. An uh, awakening. It's yeah. an awakening. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking yeah. submission. Yeah, submission. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a submission. It's a death. It's a humbling. It's a, it's a I give up. That's why I see a lot of young people yes. like, ah, you're going to have a hard time because you got so much fight in you. You know, you're fighting the universe. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yes, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I've, um, gosh, that made me think of a lot of things. I'm the, I'm envy, yeah. so. <laughs> right, <laughs> like it right. Just goes, um, like, so a couple, there's the, the dark night of the soul, which is another like concept from a lot of different religions. Like Christianity yeah. talks about it. it. It comes up a lot, a lot, a lot. And it's kind of back to that hero's journey, right? Of like, you have to die. Right. Like, you know, um, Neo had to, right. had to die. And then, and then he comes out of that as a new right. person. There's a new thing and it's not the same person. You know, there's some elements, but yeah, they, they're changed and yeah. shifted from that. And, and yeah, so, and the other thing that came to my mind was uh, Eckhart Tolle. He kind of talks about right. similar, similar kind of right. stuff. And you still have all the same bad, just yeah. like Christianity, you still have all the same bad habits. I'm still the same jackass I was 20 years ago. But it's just like the, the, yeah. the deep-hearted desire to go this way versus that way is what's different. And then the day-to-day becomes the, the war, the battle zone, where you're constantly watching myself yeah. fail and do things the wrong way or whatever. But I'm desiring to continue to move back. And that's where the objectivity comes in of like, all right, it's been six months. Let me ask yeah. the teammates. Let me ask results. Like, am I actually improve? Am I being a person that's improving on this path? Or am I giving in and still on this path, you know? Yeah. So I'm gonna. Oh, no, sorry, that's it. It just turns into a daily, a daily bat. There's, a, there's a conversion, and like in the movies, it looks very <laughs> yeah. amazing. Like, oh, you know. But then, like, yeah. if you back to real life, you're still getting your ass kicked. It's still hard. <laughs> your parents are like, you haven't changed. Yeah. You know that kind of stuff. You're like, oh my god. And just slow. Like, just last note on Jim Carrey. Like, he's had a lot of his awakening and stuff, and I've really like got a lot of inspiration from that. I just found out the other day that that kicked off for him 20 years ago. And like you could yeah. watch him, like he was a dope twenty years ago, nineteen years ago, yes. eighteen years ago, fifteen years. Ago, you know, like yes. that's been a long journey yeah. to get to where he's at now. You know. Yeah, and I think it it probably is ongoing because I think that's the reason I thought of Eckhart is because I've been I've been kind of on yeah. a little Eckhart totally binge right now, and he actually came to one of Eckhart's like I don't know yeah. workshops or something, and he came and spoke and he talked about that about how you know he had found the right. present moment and he had reached the observer and it was beautiful and then right. it all just went right. Right. he's like and now I just want to get yeah. back there right it's like it is a constant. It's a constant yeah. practice. So, so the the selfish question I was going to ask is: somebody with Savior Ne, it's hard for me to narrow yeah. down the Ni. So, like, I mean, I know you're naturally right. Ni, so you could find what your mission was, and then now you've got this objective right. mission that can can go. What do you tell those of us that like? I you know, and also it doesn't help that I have like you know. Oh sure, glass, yeah. All this other yeah. stuff. So like, depending on yeah. the day my vision might yeah. be different. So how do you know that like, nope, this is, this is my life yeah. journey. You know, this is yeah. my life. I think mission. the best thing you can do is objectively study people that are your same or similar type on that specific mm-hmm. journey, because I feel like the numbers will start to reveal themselves. Like, because you have a set of skills and strengths and weaknesses that only are going to work a certain way. You know, you can't, you can only kind of play with them so much. So 
it's something that I'm constantly curious of. Like when we watch Mel Robbins, for example, she's a very amped up, crazy lady, very intensity. It's like, how does somebody like that get so much focus and determination and discipline? A lot of the bodybuilder guys that I follow, same thing. These are crazy yeah. guys yeah. and they're so focused. And like yeah. the struggles that they have, I have no idea how to relate to because I'm coming from the other side. I'm like passing them in the halls, you know? Um, so I would really, if I were you or whoever else, I would really kind of study them to figure out the specifics of how are they taking mm -hmm. that SE or NE that's going everywhere and, and narrowing it down. Just one thing that I see, it seems to be, if I were to take a guess at it, is like, it seems to be the decider really overpowers the observer, you know, the internal decider. And then at, at that point, whether it's TI or FI, that also doesn't matter so much. A lot of it, I feel like it's just, you get sick of the savior. So I think just like getting older, like you just get sick of it. And then that internal desire of that TI or FI gets stronger, you know? I think that's yeah. kind of the common thing I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah, and you do hear that a lot with the lead plays, that that's the- Yeah, and then you're using right? all like your they're... crazy ass functions for good. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, so what that I like to narrow <laughs> it and obsess over stuff I love? Like, I'm gonna now use that for the good guys. And I'm also gonna be able to turn it off when Shan slaps me in the head and says, hey, that's enough, stop, you know? And that's kind of the big thing that we'll see. Like, imagine being Mel Robbins or Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever, like how much boring discipline stuff they have to do on a day-to-day. -day. Like, they have like people following them around like with their schedules and stuff. Like, how draining that would be, yet they submit yeah. to it. They're not like, no, 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 let me go on 12 more hours of double extroverted energy. They, they calm themselves back down, you know? I have, I have a few different thoughts of where I want to take this. So I want to back up actually, <laughs> because this is all good stuff. Cause this is like the, yeah. the victory yeah. a little bit. Right. But let's go back yeah. to the beginning of Lil, Lil Dave yeah. <laughs> with his yeah. little NF crazy. And I'm going to ask you a question that, you know, Tony Robbins loves to ask people in his things, which is whose love did you crave the most as a child? I'm sure you've heard yeah. him ask this cause he asks this all the time. And then who did you have to be for that person? Because that kind of tells you like what, you know, how you got into yeah. your, your yeah. addictions. Yeah. <laughs> so who, who, whose love or respect did you crave the most? I think when I was child? a kid, the biggest love I was seeking for was of like a close companion, a best friend. Uh, and then as I got older, mm -hmm. a girlfriend, a okay. wife, somebody like that, that, that I could be around 24 hours a day and that are interested in the same kind of things and then do, and working towards the same kind of goals. Um, my parents were great. They're, they're kind of weirdos compared to me, you know, like they get along better with a couple of my brothers, you know, my, my dad's, you know, T I N I, my mom's uh, F E N E. So they're, they're kind of doing their own thing. And like, I've got, you know, I'm just kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was that loneliness yeah. that that sort of like wanting wanting to fit in but at the same time being that your savior that right. yourself you want to be yourself yeah. but also fit in so you don't want to obligated right. to yourself so it's about trying to find at least some tribe member that is all on board with what your and right right wants. so a lot of people will yeah. settle on they'll want the the closeness or approval of their parents and for me, it wasn't so much because I had a yeah. pretty good relationship with my parents. It wasn't super good and wasn't super bad. So it wasn't like a lot of need or anything it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like for whatever yeah. reason, I focused it on like some partner, some companion. And, and, I, and I've always had some close friend in my life where either we we're working on rubber band guns. Um, my friend Matt that actually works up at <laughs> Boeing now. Um, and so we had just had like yeah. some obsessive, we're doing this together. And then, you know, teenage years, like right. focusing that, on a girl, you know, the same kind of thing of a partner, you know? 
So that's, that's where like a lot of my loneliness came from when I was younger, because I'm like wanting to get those needs met by one specific close person of my age, you know? Yeah, that was one thing that for a while, Versavia, you were asking everybody, like, how, what, what was the question about loneliness? You had a specific question you were asking everybody. Oh, I was curious um, how people experience loneliness, because I find, I think it's an interesting question. People have very different definitions of loneliness. Yeah. And I found that it's actually not the absence of connection the way that we would expect it. It seems to be more a withdrawal from connection. Yeah. yeah. Because people who don't expect connection don't really experience loneliness, it seems. But the people who expect connection or had the connection and then now don't, those are the people who seem to experience loneliness in a near crippling yeah. way. Yeah. 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 That's definitely what I had. I had a high expectation for connection. And, and like, as I've gotten older, it's been interesting to watch yeah. people that kind of what you're saying, like some people seem to have a stronger desire for that. And some people don't. Yeah. And I, I know what you mean by that, having that bar too. like some, some people, the, the bar is super right. high. So then they don't expect it from, they don't expect to get connected right. with everybody. So they're kind of cool with everybody. Cause it's like, I don't expect you to be right. that person because that bar is, is real, really high. My husband's similar. He's a similar type yeah. to you. So like, he's, it's like, he doesn't expect to be friends with everybody right. <laughs> um, because that connection bar is, is way up there. And so, and so kind of speaking of this loneliness and, and, I think in the past you've mentioned that you did have like yeah. some deep depression and like even I don't want to say the, the suicidal. Yeah, you strong. Would say that. I don't know. Yeah, but strong, like very what, strong depression, what loneliness. Yeah, drove, yeah, yeah. What what caused that? Do you know if there was a cause or was it? Um, was I don't it? know if there was a specific cause. I just remember like first of all, school was just excruciating for me right off the bat. So like yeah. I'm the oldest of four boys. And just right away kind of feeling like I'm a little weird in this family, and w which is so absolutely true. Like looking back now when I hang around my yeah. family, like you guys are yeah. no weirdos compared to me, you know, or I'm a weirdo compared to you, whatever. Like yeah. um, I get along with a lot of other kids, kids' families, you know? So like that was kind of yeah. off to a weird start, but like that wasn't that big a deal. A lot of people have that. And then school with like the sensory thing, like I just could not learn schoolwork. Like, and I used to get beat pretty hard for that from like teachers and, and leaders at church or my parents. So like, you're a smart kid. You're fooling around. Like, you're not taking this seriously. Like, okay, well, so maybe. And then like, I would go to apply myself as hard as I could in a class, like every couple of years I would. And like, I would still get a D minus. I'm like, okay, why am I going to work my ass off and get a D minus when I could just bullshit and cheat and get a D minus? You know, that's, I couldn't. And so yeah. like school was extremely hard extremely draining i would just get like so sick physically sick from being in the lights from being around all the people from having to go through the sensory um just like nauseously sick all the time um and then i would get home and i'd be so exhausted and my parents have all these chores for me to do and then finally around 10 or 11 when everybody would go to bed i'd finally you know start to wake up and have my energy so now i'd stay up late and i got to get up at 6 or 7 a.m and so it was just it was miserable you know it just wasn't a fit for yeah, for big time, makeup, big time. Really. So that's why, because school is so yeah, ST. yeah, and like yeah. and not knowing Especially any way out. Yeah, it wasn't in the internet back then, so you could. That's like once in 1999. Once yeah. I once the internet started kind of moving, like when I found the personality profiles, I'm like, oh look, there are other people out there having same kind of challenges. It's not just me that hates school and and all the rest. That's how I got into this stuff. So. Just kind of that, just kind of, it's a very common story that we hear a lot of people saying about how they got into personality type. They didn't fit into the school, didn't fit in their friend group or their parents or whatever. So I just had like a, 
I had like thankfully a very intense version of that. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a problem in my life. Like that was like the problem in my life for most of my years in junior high and 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 high school. Because junior high and high school it got worse. Started happening in elementary school, um, and then once I hit junior high and high school, just hating it so much. Then I just became a very dark kind of negative person. And then all the other kids, then it just starts to create a circle. I see that now in other people. Like I didn't see it in myself then, but I'll see people that are kind of dark and negative and, and like we'll reach out to them or other people reach out to them and they're just sending this screw you vibe. I'm like, that's why you're getting your ass kicked. If you could, you're not seeing that people are throwing you a bone here and there, you know? Right, right. They're like an energy yeah. suck is yeah. what that is. It's like they're they're taking the energy and, you know, we, none of us here have FE, but I feel like the FEs, kind right. of at least they see that that's right. a thing, right? And it takes us at some time to like, oh, duh, like I'm the one right. who's pulling this hole, like a like a right. black hole in the room that's just I know, because me with my out. masculine FI savior <laughs> in a bad mood all day long, yeah. I'm just an ass oh my God. and thinking it's everyone else's fault, yeah. you know? But I see that now looking back. Um, so that's really kind of what got me towards the, the personality stuff. Because then finally... Once I got out of high school, I did a year of college that went nowhere, did a bunch of dead-end job kind of things. And then it was finally in my early 20s, once the internet came on the scene, then I could get access to that missing information and the personality yeah. types. And there's yeah. other jobs out there. And that was kind of my way out. So I just went all in with all this negativity of just kind of feeling, you know, held down that I could kind of unleash in that internet. So that's what kind of launched Crazy Dave in my 20s of just kind of a rampage for revenge of being kind of, you know, locked in this dungeon that I put myself in, you know? Do you think there's anything that you could say or uh, you that past you could have known or done, like especially you as a teenager when you were in school, that would have helped you to break through that depression or break through that cycle of doubling down. Yeah, on that's seizures. a really good question. That's really good. I would, I would say, I think what finally did it for me, and I'm starting to see this a little bit now, is the responsibility thing. Like I'm watching kids mm. in our class or whatever that are young, they're in their 20s, and they're experimenting with responsibility. Uh, just you know, got a message from a kid where he's an INTJ guy, so it's fear of chaos. His car battery's dead, his landlord, the dishwasher broke, like the whole string of the worst fears ever. And rather than going, oh my God, he's like, hey, this is a responsibility thing. And so he's like playing a game with it. Like, I'm, I'm going to do this. And like, yeah. he's taking on the responsibility knowing that like, no one is coming to save him. Like, these are your saviors. These are demons. It's just you. I, I think I was under an illusion that I see a lot of people have that somebody was coming to save them that if, if it's really, really bad, that certain person is going to show up or people are going to see, I'm going to get some kind of sympathy or, and just. And that's what, that's the message that we see in media and entertainment over and yeah, over and right. over again. Like any rom-com out there is that there's somebody who's going to come and save us from our, from our right. demons and us and all of right. that. Well, yeah. And not recognizing that it's caused by right. our saviors, right? Yeah. That we need to, we need <laughs> to take responsibility for those areas rather than, yeah. Uh, expecting somebody else to step into yeah. our life, you know, for yeah. for Hagrid to show up and tell us that we're a wizard, we can wave a wand and it all goes right. Away. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Harry Potter, yeah. I love you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, and that's the you know it's it's hard because because on the one hand, if you hadn't gone through that stuff, right? So if you could go back and talk to your teenage self and tell them this, 
they wouldn't right. get it anyway and you wouldn't have gone through the experience right. you know like i'm i'm a firm believer that it's good to get those yeah. failures in it's good to have yeah. that because it's the only way it seems to be the only way out those and i think you guys have mentioned this too of like the people who are you know sheltered right. and they never have you know and they do have mom coming in and bailing them out they don't they right don't have right then. it's a real yeah. tricky thing yeah. this rite of passage kind of deal your teens your 20s yeah. like you got to get enough in the fire where you're really getting burned and really facing death so you you activate that self-responsibility but it can't be too intense because you just go over the edge and they, they never come back because it's just too bad um, and then you can't help people mm-hmm. too much because now they get addicted on that it's a really weird dimension like that's why we've kind of moved a lot of looking at the special forces and the military guys because they're doing that at scale they're taking people right yeah. to the edge and throwing them over and then seeing those that can climb back up are going to work with you. And they're very careful about yeah. like yeah. not helping them too much, you know? Yeah. But they also really break a lot of people. They do. They really do. They do. They do, they do, do it do. at scale, but they also really break a lot of people. And yeah. that's a real problem that we have as well. So there's got to be some way of, of doing that in a way where you're not breaking the person, where you're giving them the tools to get through right, the fire. Right, right. Because they... Well, even if you, yeah, even if you break them, give them something, yeah. you know, to, to help them after they've yeah. been broken. I mean, because some people aren't ready. And I guess that's yeah. the other aspect is like, yeah, depending on what happens in your life, um, you might, it might hit you before yeah. you're ready anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when you're somebody like the military, it's like, you've got to kind of filter out the people who aren't ready so that they don't right. get to have the, more little the, stair steps. Yeah. There's yeah. also, um, I know Martin Seligman was doing research with the, um, um, I forgot who, well, anyway, with, with the DOD um, on building the resilience of uh, soldiers before they are put through the training. Right. Before they're, so like they're building their emotional resilience right. before all the shit happens. So then when they do, because so much of, for example, PTSD right. is um, our perception of our own trauma rather than the severity right. of the trauma itself. So if, if you adjust that and then our perception of our own trauma is not as bad and we're able to um, deal with it, we have the, we feel like we have the wherewithal to get through right. to the other side. Right. right. That's yeah. exactly the kind of stuff. I feel like that's kind of the next area to really explore. We have the modern day military and other groups like it, but it feels like it's something that's been all throughout time. The Indians have had it with their different weird rites of passages and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So there's some type of like training process of like turning a child into an adult that we as a culture have lost or forgot. It's still here in little glimpses. So that's been what we've been trying to understand more and study more of this kind of process. And like we have an eight-year-old, soon to be nine-year-old. And so like we're, we're living it out in real time. Like, okay, we have a very extroverted, crazy, punchy kid, male, that most likely is gonna get in a lot of trouble in his <laughs> teens, his 20s. How are we gonna navigate that? And one of the things that we're seeing is right. like, kind of what we we're talking about a little bit of like, creating some smaller scenarios. So like one idea that we're playing with, just kind of TE throwing things out and we'll see over time how well this works <laughs> out or doesn't, is um, like, you know, when like eight, 18 or 20, you're kind of like thrown out into the world. And like for a lot of kids, I know for me, it was like too much all at once. I was not ready. I did not have the stuff built up. So it like hit me in the face way too hard, you know? And then spent too many years trying to right. figure out what the hell happened. Like we're looking at like when he's 16, giving him more little smaller things like that. Like if we had a house that had a back house, something like this. It'd be like, okay, he gets to live kind of in his out apartment for a little bit so he can mess that up, blow it up, go the wrong direction. And then there's a, there's kind of a, a rebound thing rather than like, we're going to throw you out. You either make it or you don't. 
we want to kind of like, we're going to throw you out. Chances are you're not going to make it. But for the first couple of times, there's going to be a little bit of a bounce net there to kind of let you fail on a smaller scale. So you can now try that again. Yeah. So, so speaking of like, I mean, yes. So human societies throughout time have had some sort of rite of yeah. passage, but they've also given a lot more responsibility to kids than we do in the yeah. West, you know, like kids are kids right. for way longer. And so like, like I've mentioned this before, but like I'm reading the book Roots, yeah. you know, <laughs> and like in the slavery or I'm sorry, pre-slavery time. So Kunta Kente is still in yeah. Africa, right? He lives his life. He was taken when he was, you know, this is a fictional novel or whatever, but in the novel he's taken when he's 17. But like when he, it's really interesting because like when he was a, a little, little kid, like maybe my son's age, um, they're just like yeah. naked, right? They're just like naked in the street. And then there comes a day where his mom like makes him some clothes. And so, yes, you get clothes, but now you have to watch the uh, the goats, right. right? So they get a little thing and then they're sent right. out of the village with the goats. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little responsibility that you have to, because it's not in town. Right. It's like you go to go watch the goats grazing out in the fields. And then, and then they kind of just slowly work right. that up until he goes to like manhood right. training. So then he's kind of right. ready for it. And then they send them off with just a bunch of men um, for four months kind of thing. And then they come back. And this is the other aspect of this that I think we have we struggle with in the West is that not only is the person now like, okay, I'm a man or like I'm an adult or whatever, but the tribe also right. recognizes right. that person because they come right. back, right? It's like you left. Now you're back. Guess what? You get your own hut. But now you're you need to right. take responsibility right. for your life. Right. <laughs> We're not going to take care of you right. anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the public acknowledgement of the transformation. Yeah, That's something we don't have. Yeah, yeah just That's, a blur into I'm 29. Yeah. Am I an adult? I don't know. You know, it's it's hard for us. In in some ways, it's well, it's less clear. Right. I'll say that. Like I'm sure it was hard for them, right? But it's less. It's clear. less clear, and there's yeah. not that little stair step from when you're a little kid. You're just kind of hanging out at your parents' yeah. house as a roommate for 20 years, and then you're off on your own. It's just somehow you know. it's become the, the, there's this perception that good parenting means um, protection. Yeah, protecting your kids from any right. pain or from mm -hmm. any failure. But that's actually the exact opposite of what we yeah. should be doing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's, this reminds me. It was funny. Well, funny now that I look back on it, but at the time it was not funny at all. My older brother. Uh, he had this huge blow up fight with my dad. And I remember I was there, I, I was, I'm seven years younger than that brother. And so, you know, I was a kid and he's like 17, 18. And I remember him telling my dad, I'm a man. And my dad was like, all right, get out. <laughs> he's like, you're a man, yeah. goodbye. And like actually kicked him out of the house. And my brother, he had to go get an apartment. He was a garbage man for a while. And he really, kind of similar to what you're saying, like he, had to learn how to take responsibility. Right. Like he, sure, you can say you're a man. Now you got to go off and prove that, or you got to go and take responsibility right. for your life. And that experience really, I think, in the end, like, because he ended up, you know, he had, he had a daughter and all this stuff, and ends up coming back, and like, you know, of course, like my dad totally embraced him and everything like that. But it was like, you, like you said, you had to kind of go yeah. through the thing that that nothing else was going right. to do for him. Staying at home wasn't going right. to do it anymore, and it was like, all right, right. then. <laughs> and then even just the yeah. way that you're telling the story like that too many of us it's happening and we're just so unaware and shocked of what's happening that that a boy yeah. would say about yeah. man there's a fight and he gets kicked like hey why do we not know this is coming why are we not <laughs> yeah, yeah why do we not know yeah 
yeah, he's like he was like yeah. 17, 18 or whatever, probably had like just graduated um, uh, high school yeah. kind of thing. And my mom used to work. She she ran a college program. And so like, again, kind of you're saying like parents shelter their children. So they had right. like put him in my mom's program and stuff like that. And it was like, you're yeah. just going to do this. But he was like, no, like, no, I need to break right. off and do my own thing. And you're right. It's like a yeah. shock. Yeah. <laughs> to the, that's, to so the that's system. been yeah. kind of our part two. Sure. Like part one was kind of figuring out the code. Then part two is what the hell do we do with it? Yeah. That does seem to be exactly yeah. that, like understanding at scale, what is this hero's journey? What is this grown up rite of passage from a child to an adult, irresponsible to responsible? What are kind of the somewhat objective, clear steps that are there that they should be uh, traces of it all throughout history and all different cultures of, yeah. you know, what is actually working. If we can observe enough of that data, figure it out, kind of write down the, the steps and the pattern. doesn't mean we'll necessarily walk them in any way, shape or form in a good way, but at least we know what the hell the steps are. Yeah. So when we get lost, we're like, yeah. oh, no wonder this is so hard. It's like a hard left turn over here when I need to be doing this, you know? I, I, yeah. Would you, oh, sorry, but would you say, is it, are you finding, is it, different for the different types i mean i i know you know you've got like the hero you know joseph campbell the hero's journey power yeah. myth all that stuff like it, we we fairly know right. it right i mean the wachowskis made yeah. a movie about it um but does it vary is there different things that you need to do i, I think the type, type stuff is so insignificant it's so very small it's just like a car okay. trying to drive yeah. on the road like i smashed on the wall this way and yeah. you smashed on the wall that way either way we both <laughs> got to learn how to balance and make that turn or whatever yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. different chapters in the it just feels like a journey where you're walking from one side of the country to the next like higher elevation may work better for you and not for me or the other way around like i really loved walking through arizona but you hated it whatever like that stage where you got to go out and gather and figure out who you are in your early 20s. Wow, the EPs love that stage. And the IJs like, oh, my God, this is the worst stage ever. And then it switches when you get older, you know. I think it's a lot That's of true. that kind yeah, of stuff, you, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You look like you had a question for Savio. And I, I kept going. Oh, when we were talking about um, the, the way that we treat our youth. Um, I just came from the International Positive Psychology Association. Uh, World Congress, and there was a speaker there, Jonathan Haidt, who wrote this book, um, The Coddling of the American Mind, and he spoke about it. And it's a really interesting premise. Um, there's, when you look at the numbers, um, right around when social media became available to teenagers, um, anxiety and depression kind of skyrocketed yeah. among kids. And um, he looks at the research and he looks at a couple of reasons why that may have happened, but the reason that he thinks is because we don't give our kids an opportunity to fail right. anymore. Um, yeah. We don't let them play. Like, um, for example, before you could go out like around the corner yeah. to the grocery store when you're six, yep. no problem. But yep. now we don't let kids do that until they're like 10, 12 years sure. old. Um, and so yeah. his, his main premise was that like, because we're not letting them play, most people end up decently adjusted but there is a very loud and vocal minority that is very like oh no that's gonna trigger me i can't deal with it because they don't know how to deal with their own negative yeah. emotions yeah this constant fear of being triggered yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. a, it was a really great talk and i definitely recommend the book but um i love that idea that just like yeah the coddling of the american mind and we're we're very very much guilty of this and i think that's one of the reasons why a lot of like my peers and probably people who are younger who grew up in this much more overprotective headspace um, are struggling. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and that's why I love the, so I, one of the things I love about you guys' class is it introduces me to people that oh, I wouldn't I know, otherwise right? yeah. known about. Too. Like, that's yeah. like cute. Yeah. And like, so, you know, the whole Jason Wilson, his like Cave of Adullam yeah. thing where he's taking boys and, and kind of putting them through right. that, you know, as a martial artist myself, like I see like incredible value in the dojo and incredible value right. in this kind of things. And that's the same sort of stuff that he does. It's like, you're going to have those feelings. You're going to have uh, challenges, but you need to learn right. how to navigate those. That's the thing, yeah. you know, with my own kids, even like even now, like I have a I have a almost two year old and a five year old. And when they start now, now he's, you know, he's almost two. He, he's not going right. to break. So when they're playing and it gets rough, right. I kind of let them yeah. wrestle it out now, yeah. <laughs> you know, cause it's like, he needs to learn. He needs to learn how to take care of himself Yep. and she needs to learn not to break her brother. And so like between the two right. of them, like yeah. they're, they're starting to figure that yeah. stuff out and, yeah. and we're trying to let it, it is interesting though. Cause I think my daughter might also be savior control. So for us, a lot of it is, pushing her outside of right. her comfort zone because she she doesn't want to go like even if i let her go to the store you know yeah she's five whatever if i if i said go get the mail which is like across the street she wouldn't right. do it yeah yeah like this information if it becomes lost to a culture like this like i think we're in a lot of trouble and as, as a society because like you're not going to naturally do these things. Like, like, like yes. as a parent, you're not going to naturally be like, I'm going to let my kid climb a little too high on that tree or wrestle his brother or whatever. Like, you're not going to like, as, as a parent, you want to just, they're having a hard time opening the thing. You just want to open the thing for them. Just, you just, just like, yeah. like with mm. our own son, like watching ourselves just screaming with frustration of like, I just want to do the thing for you. So it's faster, easier, and you avoid pain. And like that, that is probably mm -hmm. the hardest most frustrating thing about parenting for us is is this internal engine just revving that I want to just jump in and do. I want to help the butterfly get out of the cocoon. That's that's me. That's what I want right. to do. I want right. to help them all right. all in a little assembly line. Help everybody get out. Everybody, and then it robs them from that. So like from that that this uh, this is another one of these stories. I'm not sure which type. You know how the EJs always talk about putting your, yeah. your mask on. I feel like maybe this is, I don't know which type this would be, but there's the story of like, you know, the butterfly, the, the um, yeah. caterpillar in the cocoon and the only way to get out, they have yeah. to break themselves out because it gives them some sort of like a, yeah. a, a, a well, no, it get, there's like a, an actual physical like particle or something that gets oh, on really? their wings that allows them uh -huh. to fly. And so if you did open it and if you did take him out, he couldn't fly because whatever, there's some sort of transformational wow. yeah. thing that he needs that, that it needs to rub off on the yeah. wings or something like that. Otherwise the wings break down or something. So one of the things that Jonathan Haidt talked about is that there's this uh, term, new term that's kind of floating around anti-fragility where like fragile is something that's like easily breakable and resilience is something that's not easily breakable, but anti-fragility is like that something that is fragile, but is made stronger through adversity kind yeah. of like, Something like yeah, like exactly. that, uh, the caterpillar in the cocoon, or just in general, right. that idea of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. Yeah, the martial arts, the punching, the breaking uh, the bones down so they get stronger, the muscles, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's like it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen accidentally. You can't accidentally be a good parent. Like your natural urges are gonna just run your kid into coddle land. Is that's I mean that's right, which is your your default wire. So much and like exactly. like reading the parenting yeah. books and talking to other parents and figuring out how do I really do this the right way has like I think that's really the priority to to figure out that kind of thing so you can move yeah. yourself as a parent because yeah. then you're giving a kid a chance to move up those stair steps otherwise they're just dumped on their head at twenty go ahead figure it out and, and just then, too much too soon. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, um, let's see. It's about four. How much? How are you guys? I got a little bit time? more time. Okay. Okay. Um, let me see. Anything you have then, Brasavia? Or do we want to some of the questions that we had? One of the ones um, that I think is a fun one is like, if you could put anything on a billboard or like thirty second commercial during the uh, the Super Bowl or something like that, like what would you want to just tell the whole Me? world? What? Oh man, I just realized yeah, this you. Is a very Lewis Howes question. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually a, everyone's yeah. here. Well, it's it's actually Tim Ferriss. That was a Tim Ferriss question. Oh, if yeah? you could put something okay. on a billboard, yeah. It would probably be something along the lines of like, it's not real. Your fears are not real. Mm. Something something like that. Probably take me some while to, to word it up, but something like that. That uh, it, your fears are not real. It's an illusion. You know, something like that. Yeah, don't don't believe or everything, everything you, you feel. That yeah. That's a go. Everything you feel. Yeah, I guess for you, it might even be don't sure, believe right, you feel. Sure, right, yeah. Oh, I never, oh, I just, mine, mine just got blown a little bit. <laughs> Because I'm a savior T, so I'm always in the don't believe everything right. you think right. category. But you're right. Don't believe everything you yeah. feel. Yeah, for me, you feel, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like yeah. that. Just seeing that now that the world is kind of uniting, we're able to see each other at scale. Like, you're yeah. seeing that it's just not real. Your fears, your your concerns and stuff. Is the world uniting? Did they miss could, that compared memo? to like 200 years ago. You have the fact, like, we're united oh, okay. on the webcam yeah. in, in different states. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more like we we actually have exposure. You're not to the stuck rest in some little world. village. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're all old right. enough to remember. We're able to communicate and connect with people that are in very different yeah. places right. from us. Right. Yeah. 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 Like when Joseph Campbell was doing his thing, it was like groundbreaking that he found these right. same stories all throughout the world. But now we're all talking right. to each other and we're like, oh yeah, we've got the same flood right. myth over here on the other side right. of the world, and we're all talking about yeah. that, you know. And it's like. There must be something to this if we're all talking about the same myths and the same stories. Yeah, therefore you have access to a lot of answers if you want to go get them. But I see that we as humans, we really don't. Like, I know that yeah. there are answers on how to solve whatever problem I'm working on, but I want to, I end up like reinventing the wheel of my own self anyways, you know? Which was, th so that leads to another question that we had, which is if you could, so you, you know, you've talked about having kind of virtual mentors yeah. and things like that. Um, you know, when you don't have somebody in your life, you kind of, with the internet now today, with, with the connectedness, there's so many yeah. people out there. So if you could meet one person that you've objectively typed, that you Darren haven't Brown. met, okay? I know you've met some of them. Yeah. Darren Brown, yeah. really? <laughs> wow, you, you really answered that one. That one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if as an EP, because as I was writing these down, I was like, who would I pick? I don't know. And I, I actually don't know that I have like an answer, but like. Brene me. Brown. Oh, Brene. Yeah, I hear a lot of good, yeah. a lot of people I've met really like her. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, yeah, I want to get her quote tattooed on my body. Yeah. <laughs> Something the, I never I, thought I would ever want to do, I, but. It might, it, I think that's actually Rockefeller who said that or, or somebody. No, it was um Roosevelt. Roosevelt, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not the actual quote, but anyway. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Anyways, why Darren Brown? <laughs> Gosh, uh, he was a huge unlock for us. Like, kind of, we couldn't have figured this code stuff out without him. Um, I also feel like he is probably one of the saddest, most loneliest guys inside. Like, the amount, I don't mean that in a super sad way, but like, can you, like, you, like, we're all in this kind of class, like, oh, wow, okay, so there's, I see that I'm doing that same thing, like, we're all getting this kind of, like, out-of-body experience of, like, wow, we're all kind of weirdos, and we can manage that, but, like, he has, seems to be kind of by himself with this whole another level of understanding of what's really driving us, you know, it just it seems like he'd just be a really deep person that 
is seeing and understanding this underworld at a level that my brain can't even comprehend. So, yeah, I really, so I also, I hadn't really gotten into Darren Brown. He was another one that you guys yeah. introduced me to. And, you know, I, I've been mentioning that I'm kind of going type by type yeah. through the 32 major types or whatever. And so when I got to Darren Brown, you know, I yeah. kind of got into that <laughs> and like, what I love about Darren Brown as an NT myself is like he explains the NIFE to those of us who are NT right. like or think, you know, more on our yeah. different spectrum. Yeah. Without making it like right. magical. Like he's like, look, this right. is what's going on, guys. I'm just going to break it down, <laughs> which I really like because sometimes those NF right. blasters, it's still a little woo. Right. It's still a little bit, you know, NF, yeah. right? But he's able to somehow take it and concretize it into a way that like my TE is like, yeah. oh, I see the blocks that he's yeah. banging together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we could we could sit here and have a Darren Brown recap cast. <laughs> I watched two of his Netflix specials. Um, did you see the one where he managed to take a guy and get him to step in front of a bullet? <laughs> if you haven't seen that step one. Step in front of a bullet. I've seen him. Yeah, it was called The Sacrifice. So there was the one where he got the guy to push oh, so this, somebody Was this a newer one? <laughs> no, I this haven't seen it, no. One. Yes, it's it's. Pretty, I've seen pretty ones pretty. where he's gotten people to shoot people with a, a gun that wasn't real. But yeah, this one was like the other so, way around. So to your point of, yeah. So to your point about his like loneliness, and and actually, so he talked about this on Joe Rogan. He said that he's done so many of those of like getting right, someone to right. push a man or kill he's, a man. Yeah, he's or going whatever. the other way. Yeah, he's yeah, going yeah. the other way. He wanted to see like what you, what he could do to bring the light. Right. Somebody. Yeah, so I remember when this, I first started yeah. watching him in the early 2000s, like thinking that like, well, this guy is such an unbelievable understanding of, of the human psychology. I I would hope in his lifetime, he would start to do something good with it rather than just be an amazing magic show. And that's exactly what. Right. You know. Yeah, he's exactly. He's exactly. So, that. yeah, he's, he's probably yeah. my favorite human being. Yeah. <laughs> what would you want to ask him or tell him? I don't even know. I, I, I don't even, I don't, I feel like I don't have any like logical stuff. I feel like it's just an FI thing. I just, yeah, I just want to like, kind of like, I just kind of would like to see or feel or experience like, what is it that his world is really like? What is, what mm -hmm. kind of depths of reality is he really seeing? I just want to kind of get that vibe. Very NF. I just want to, there's my NF side right there. I just yeah. want to kind of get that NF vibe from yeah. him you know yeah so since we're, we're just play energy questioning now that reminds me of another question that um, we have a little enfp group chat someone asked if you could be a different type for a day what would it be and why for a day huh just for a day just <laughs> just a day because well it was funny because like when i first me demon sensory of course because i didn't read the full question that's like my freaking like life stories i didn't read the full question so i was like oh no i would never want yeah. to do that and, da, da, da. and they're like it's a day evelyn you yeah. get to go back <laughs> so the day that's a good day. one because yeah otherwise yeah. i would say <laughs> some kind of ej probably like esfj mm. maybe maybe esfj okay. and then maybe like tony robbins type something like that like i'd love to step into the shoes of of the giants you know see what it's like to be an ej um i think esfj would be fascinating because it's also opposite functions of me and like having those double observers, you know, the INTP double observers, SI and NE in the middle, like exploring what the hell that's like. And then uh, the the care of the tribe and the FE, like 
Effie is something that yeah. I really would like to kind of experience that. And then the yeah. the insecurity of the TI, what the hell is TI? And like your identity's <laughs> built on it and you don't trust it. Like what the hell does that even mean? Like, I think I'd say probably ESFJ. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I said Darren Brown's type, so that's, yeah. that's what made me think of this. I said N I the N I F E I N F J, because I think I I don't know that I'd want to be a decider, but that's a good point. It it might be cool to step into the, for me IP. Right. Like, what would that be like? Yeah. 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 So what? Um, this kind of goes to a question of uh, something that we've discussed in a lot of different places is like, what is an opposite to? Oh your yeah, type? sure. Because, like, I also went with, like, a similar answer to you. is like, I would want to experience something that is as removed from my type as possible to know what that's like and to understand what any NTI yeah. is like to have in your stack. Yeah, so what is the Yeah, opposite? I think it yeah. really depends on how you want to define the terms. It does seem to be, like, a mathematical... We, we put it in a, in a in a bell curve or whatever, but is that really real? Is it, is it not just kind of a circle or a sphere or whatever? So I think opposite type really is dependent on the person's definition in context. Like you could have a mathematical opposite type. Yeah. So depending how you define the terms, for me, it'd be like an ESFP, yeah. you know, or possibly a Shani because it's your opposite temperament. But then again, that's right. me and Shani aren't opposite numbers on the code, you know, like. There will always be something. Right, similar. exactly. Yeah. Yes. They can say opposite yeah, yeah. functions, you know, like, like an INTP. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then but then you'll share like either the needs right. or the letters. Exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We always struggle with, with that. Like what is the opposite? Yeah. And and then like you said, yeah, I think it is contextual too, because there's sort of like the opposite that's attractive right. to you. And then there's sort of like what's the oil and water opposite. Yeah, and the know? opposite that makes you want to go. Oh. Right. So that yeah, so getting to that, I think from seeing the data more, like seeing more people like as we're typing people, like if if we can like know what their spouse is, that's very beneficial because we're like, okay, mm -hmm. so if we type two people like like Evelyn and your husband, like we get to know your husband, and they're like, okay, then we watch them for twenty years, and you're like, how did that relation? How's that relationship going? And like you can kind of like yeah. eventually measure it out of like, okay, these types seem to be attracted to each other and actually stay together. Like that kind of data is kind of sprinkling yeah. here and there. But I think from there you could get yeah. a priority of like, all right, in dating, this is the kind of opposite you're looking for. If I were to take a guess, it seems to be a ratio of like, you definitely like let me leave my damn opinion out of it. If I, if I'm seeing this right, which I'm usually not, at least at first is I'm thinking what's happening is the healthy relationships seem to be like a 80% opposite, opposite function, opposite okay. type, opposite sexual, the more opposite, the better, but then not all in on opposite. They always got about a 20% give or take whatever of commonalities. And sometimes yeah. like there's two people we know that like one's a, uh, ESTJ, T-E-N-E, and the other one's an INTP, T-I-N-E. Um, and so they're both, and, and one's visual, one's double. So like they're both NTs, they're both masculine T, mm -hmm. you know, like, so their sexual energy is a little similar. So yeah, like they have a lot of similarities, yeah. but then they also have a lot of opposites. It's like, wow, that's working really good. So like, it, I don't I think yeah. it needs to get super detailed on, well, I have to have opposite this and that. Like, I think the ratio of opposites and similarities have a little bit more opposites than similarities. Um, that seems to be kind of what we're seeing. And then when it comes to, um, I, I think like best friends or like drinking buddies or pals, I think that's a different ratio going on there. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not sure what it is, yeah. but yeah, it's not, it's not dating. Yeah. yeah. I've noticed the most, as far as modalities and like the different kinds of 
um, reactions I have to different modalities. And like, you know, when it comes to like double masculines, I feel an automatic, very like familial uh, dynamic towards them. Or like the visuals is usually very strong, very platonic friendships because my sister probably is. Like, so it's interesting to see how those things play out. So much. Yeah. 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 It is. I think that's one of the things we have, we as people have the strongest reaction to is the, the sexual energy, you know, the sexuals, yeah, yeah. The modalities and all that. Yeah. So I have a little lightning round. <laughs> there's 13. I think there's like 13 of these. Would you yeah. rather's and they're just yeah, yeah. quick. And so don't, well, you are quick on Darren Brown, man. That just like, <laughs> boom, no problem. So these will be, these will be run right through them. Um, so first, would you rather meet your great grandparents or your great grandchildren? Um, great grandparents. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Don't tell See, Cody. Okay, now don't tell like, Cody. Okay. Don't tell Cody. I would totally meet the grandchildren, but because like, what's the future yeah. like too? <laughs> Anything you're curious about with your grandparents? Um, I'm just, I'm great. great I'm just more fascinated of uh, where we come from. I think like that was a different world back oh, then. Yeah. I think there's a lot of change in the last hundred oh, years, yeah. and I feel like there's a lot of lessons that like my grandparents were giving me that I wasn't listening to that I wish I was. You know, so that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, get yeah. get that in. Okay. Would you rather have more time or more money? Uh, time. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's a non-renewable resource. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty yeah. easy one. And the stupid, you know, stupid. Uh, well, if I had more time, I could make, I'd more, make money. more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Uh, would you rather have a life rewind or a life pause? Um, a life pause, which kind mm-hmm. of a more time thing. Yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, yeah, you're just buying more time. Yeah. that's true. Well, rewind is also buying more time, in a matter yeah. of speaking. Yeah, I like the rewind from like the perspective of like, would I want to change anything? No. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, right. I don't feel like I've lost a lot of time or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I would do the rewind. I'm always the one that when I'm playing a video game, if I didn't do the level perfect, I'll just restart yeah. it. <laughs> and my husband hates that. He's like, just finish the deal. I'm like, nope. I got to do it again because I didn't get it. <laughs> so, All that play energy. I'm like, nope, yeah, I did it once. That's enough. <laughs> no, I got to keep I gotta keep doing it until I get all the stuff. Um, so would you rather know all the world's languages or speak with animals? <laughs> Oh, wow. That's a good one. I would say all the world's languages because animals are kind of dumb. You don't know. I kind of agree. I guess I'm representing the ENFP. Hungry. Like, again? Again, it's the 15th squirrel. It's told me they're hungry. Tired. (laughs) Tired. Yeah. Okay. I'm the ENFP. I'm speaking to the animals. I want to know. I want to know what those dolphins are. I think that'll get boring real quick. With the dolphins, yeah. That's what sign language is for. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, This one is, I don't even know, but I'm just going to throw it out there. But no one shows up at your wedding or no one shows up at your funeral? Um, No one shows up at my wedding. Okay. Really? I thought you would have said funeral. Yeah. No, I'm with you on the wedding. Oh, I I would say funeral. (laughs) I don't, if nobody shows up at my wedding, I'm okay with that. But I want my life to had meaning yeah what, what well, that, yeah so that's the thing is you'd way. rather you'd rather them not be at your right wedding. that one skip the wedding yeah. skip the oh, wedding yes. yeah my bad yeah same with yes. you want them to be at your funeral right. okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay <laughs> yeah that one i don't know okay now this one's good this one's good for ej's i guess but stuck in an elevator or stuck on a ski lift whatever stuck on an elevator i'll take the not that one i've been stuck on an elevator before and realized that i had some claustrophobia so <laughs> yeah. not on an elevator because i at least could jump to my death on a ski lift and get out of there <laughs> and the view would be fantastic yeah 
It yeah. might be a little chilly though. I got stuck in an elevator at, at the LA Times building in Los Angeles. We used to do you know work in that building for installing blinds and stuff. So I used to go in and like shake the elevators and, and screw around being crazy Dave. And like the thing That's broke and get. I got stuck in there and the door opened up and you just like, <laughs> That's what you yeah, get. That's what I got. That's yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to change this one because I'm dealing with somebody who's lead sleep. So <laughs> would you rather go to a dinner with a bunch of people that you don't know or go to a concert with a bunch of people that you don't know? Oh, it's supposed to be alone, but you want to be alone all the time. Yeah. This, <laughs> so I'm the low play this. energy kind of stuff. Yeah. The less wanna... training one, probably the dinner one. At least I can sit down or a concert. <laughs> no. True. A concert with a whole bunch of people that you don't know. So you're in a group. You don't know anybody. Nah, but you're I'd rather do the concert. dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the concert is probably a lot more S.E. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. too much S.E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a dinner, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd go to the concert if I didn't know anybody because I'd just get into the oh, what's I would, happening. I would definitely door. pick the dinner. Oh, I hate dinners anyway. <laughs> They're nice and boring, though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, you can... Uh, anyway. <laughs> okay, world peace or stop world hunger? World peace or stop world hunger... Uh, I'm like thinking of the logical one. I guess if we did the world peace, then we could get to work on the hunger. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah. <laughs> kind of just working. The, I'm just trying to work out the right answer here. Exactly. Let's if just work the hunger. Yeah. And then wouldn't that lead to a lot of peace? Uh, that's true. You could go the other way. A lot of conflicts that we have are coming from a place yeah, of but insecurity. Going, and not we're still having going to war. Yeah. We would still go to war with China. Yeah, North Korea yeah, would still cause North problems. North yeah. North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh skydiving or bungee jumping um watching lively go skydiving yeah looks a little more have sad. you been have you done either one no yeah, have you done either one no i haven't yeah. i would not go bungee jumping for some reason i don't trust it I don't yeah know. skydiving i would i would try bungee jumping yeah. you said you've been skydiving yeah oh wow wow yeah, SE, of course. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I need to have all the experience. <laughs> experience and stuff. I'm just, I'll read about it. Um, so, <laughs> would you want to be an adult for your whole life or your kid for a kid for your whole life? Adult. Yeah. 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 Like, I reluctantly yeah. say adult. Because <laughs> <laughs> then you can be a man child. Yeah. Yeah. Um, vacation with friends or vacation with a spouse partner? Spouse. That's probably. Yeah. Jenny. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you've got a good relationship going, yeah. Oh yeah, I yeah, it's okay. we're ridiculous. I can't get enough of her. <laughs> this one is is just silly. I don't know why, but uh, side of salad or side of soup? Uh, salad. Yeah, me too. Yeah, because the reason why is I'm scared of soup. Oh, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Unless it's a known soup that I've that I've had before, which I haven't, because oh it's a circle here. I feel ya. <laughs> I'm scared of soup too. <laughs> Because what's in the soup? I don't know. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, man. Day, Although, to be... So you're just making this stuff up? How long have they been sitting there? <laughs> although, although a salad almost killed me. Really? Because, yeah. I, so I'm allergic to pine nuts. Oh, and boy, I man. ordered a salad, and I was very clear with the waiter. Look, man, I'm allergic to pine nuts, and I'm eating my salad, and they had stuck pine nuts <sighs> all in the bottom of it. They had stuck the pine nuts in first wow. and then put the salad on top. And I'm like, dude, I found pine nuts in here. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you wouldn't even be able to find the pine Yeah, exactly. They could be cooked in there. <laughs> I have a... Yeah, at least the Aria salad, you can stare at and see what it is, yeah. <laughs> IJ scared of me. Yeah. Love it. Oh, man, that was that was 
Brilliant. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm taking away from this interview. Yeah. <laughs> Davis scared to soup. Yeah, that might be the title of the that might be the title of the podcast. There you go. There you so, go. <laughs> IJ scared to soup. Um so last one, given all your fun chaos, uh brand new house, brand new car. Oh house. Gosh, give me a new house, yeah. please. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So you guys are still living in the same house that was falling apart yeah. with the crazy life. Yeah, we're not done with it yet. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a lesson. I've got to get every last little thing done before we can move on. Plus, it's actually turned into a not that bad a house. If I lower my standards a little bit and relax, it's actually in a nice neighborhood. It's got a big yard. It's bathrooms are real small, bedrooms are real small, but yeah. I've always still here for I've always kind of won I've always kind of wondered, and you can feel free not to answer this, is why'd you move there? Like, why'd you pick, pick that city? Because the only place oh, from Portland, from L.A.? Yeah. yeah. Um, I I grew up in the Bay Area, you know, Versavia land. So it's like you're screwed <laughs> because it's like there's nowhere nicer. Oh, yeah. So you're only yeah. going downhill yeah. from the Bay Area. So I moved to L.A., which was clearly downhill. And then <laughs> I wanted to get the hell out of L.A., but I, I was stuck there working. I didn't have any money, didn't have any ways to go. And, like, when we were, like, in my early 20s, I was like my college buddies. Like they went to college. I lived there. I didn't go to the college, but I lived with them, you know, yeah. one of those guys. Yeah, one of those yeah exactly. Those guys. Yeah, and, and so like they all went up to a conference or no, a, a concert in Portland, Oregon. And I, I went up and slept the whole time because I was like working. Oh. So I was tired. So they, and so like while I was up there in Portland, I'm like, wow, this place is amazing. This is great. So my FI locked okay. onto it. I'm like, well, when I get the hell out of LA and I have the internet business, so I'm like, I can live anywhere. I'm like, well, let me just go to Portland. So just kind of, that's what, yeah, yeah. just a random. Okay. Did like because I was working on the internet, I could just randomly pick anywhere. And then the the mm-hmm. random house was based upon close to twenty four hour fitness because I was going to that gym at the time. So I like looked on the map for twenty four hour fitness and I just picked yeah. it based upon that. So just yeah, okay, total arbitrary. I've always been curious because yeah, I mean you could have you could have gone anywhere. Yeah. I mean you know. But now that I of... now that I know better, now that I've actually been out of the house more and actually traveled around, like we're actually liking Seattle area a lot. I didn't want to yeah. tell you that out loud, but like. <laughs> like kind of liking Seattle up there. It's bigger. It's more open. I keep hearing that. It's well. It's and it's like it's like Portland. So I mean, if you like Portland, you you gotta get. It feels the Portland like the field, Bay Area. Like Seattle is like cleaner. business. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of yeah. But like if 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 that's a thing that you guys are ever gonna act on, do it now before it turns into the new Bay Area because it's. Well I know. I'm seeing that already. I saw that when we went up. It just there was sky cranes everywhere. It, it feels like it already is. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. we would live. I, I want to live like well, kind of a made up rule I have is like an hour outside of the main airport, you know, uh, kind of mm-hmm. one of those deals. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I want to be yeah. close to a major city. I don't ever want to be in the city. That, yeah. Yeah. I have more than enough of Moscow and New York City. Yeah. 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 I'm, yeah, exactly. That's, that's a good, good, good move in general. Yeah. Is to be, Suburban life. You want to be close, but not like in it. In it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. All right. Well, cool. That was that was the lightning round. That was fun. Yeah, great. That was a lot more yeah. than I expected. So, uh, any any other thoughts or anything you want to add? Otherwise, I think I think that's it. Just the only thing is uh, your fears are not real. I can put that <laughs> on one more billboard. Just your fears are not real, and you can really kind of work out the math, and like it helps to kind of just take those fears and just take them from boogeyman down to legitimate problems, and you can chip away at legitimate problems. That's yeah. a big lesson yeah. I'm learning and all this kind of stuff. For sure. Okay. Cool. What. Well, I have a question. Just <laughs> sorry. So, what were your fears before you came to this realization that your fears aren't real? I was afraid mm-hmm. of the Illuminati. I was afraid of the economy ending. I was afraid that my neighbors were out to get me. I was afraid for my health, business. I was so afraid that I couldn't check the news in the morning because it would give me so much anxiety for the rest of the day. 
I would just get paralyzed with fear. I used to watch like Alex Jones and like before he went like, like really, really crazy. He was like kind of on the edge, you know, 10 years ago. But so I would watch that kind of stuff and it would get me so panicked and so scared that that kind of was part of the fuel that launched me the other side. Cause I'm like, yeah. if I have this much fear, like just kind of studying it for hours a day is, is getting me more crazy. What if I could do something? And so I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll do bug out bags and survival equipment. So once I kind of got all that settled, I'm like, what else can I do? And then I realized like building a business, I could financially be secure and then I could be an evil rich guy and I could get a passport and I could fly. Like these are the kind of fears I was having. <laughs> yeah, you can have your own little plane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so it was like on that journey <laughs> yeah. of responsibility, that's what helped kind of yeah. break me down, you know, and start to get more in touch with reality. You know, so I have a big passion for business because it kicks your ass and brings you back down to reality. You know, I'm like, for some reason, borderline obsessed right now with the song. Everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Do you guys know that song? I don't. It's a Boz Lerman song. Oh, and it's a spoken word. It's it's a a spoken word piece. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, People call it the sunscreen song. But um, and he says in it. So the first line, of course, is, you know. If I, it's like, ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99, if I had one piece of advice, sunscreen would be it, oh, wow. <laughs> right? But then he but then he goes on and says, like, you know, the rest of what I'm going to say has no basis except my own meandering experience, and I'm going to dispense that advice now. And then he goes on. But, like, one of the things he says in, in it is, don't worry, or at least if you do worry, recognize that worrying is as effective as solving an algebra problem by chewing bubble gum. Right. <laughs> because yeah. it's like... And and the line that like really gets me is the the real problems of your life are going to be the things that your worried mind never thought. Right. Of. It's going to oh, be the unexpected phone totally. call. Totally random, stupid, silly yeah. stuff, little things. Random, right. stupid shit. Yeah. 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 And that's been my total life experience. Is it's it's the phone call that you didn't you didn't you didn't even think. About. Yeah. So why spend your time? Yeah, yeah. worrying about the Illuminati fears. That's not the thing that's going to get you. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's a good. Yep. Okay. Well, cool. I don't have anything more. Well, great. Do you? Good hangout time. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you, audience. Um, what did you think of the interview? Comment in the YouTube uh, comments below this video. We're going to post this to YouTube. We're also going to put it out on our podcast feed, so you'll find it there. Um, you can find us in the OPS Facebook groups, YouTube channel, Objectively Types, or you can email us directly at objectively.typed at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We haven't heard from too many people, so like that would be awesome yeah. to like... Let us what know what you guys want to hear us talk about. What do you think of this interview with Dave? Yeah. Are you afraid of soup? Yeah. Are you too afraid of soup? <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll be posting our episode, our upcoming episode topics so you can type along with us with our typing episodes um, or otherwise know what's coming up on the podcast. We'd love to hear your, your suggestions for topics of interest, people you want to see us type, that kind of thing. So uh, please subscribe. Uh, sub like a scribe so like this video <laughs> subscribe um leave a review um so thanks for listening to objectively type with evelyn and Rosavia. and until next time bye bye guys ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99 wear sunscreen if i could offer you only one tip for the future sunscreen would be it The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. 
Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they've faded. But trust me, in 20 years, you look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You are not as fat as you imagine. Don't worry about the future, or worry, but know that worrying is as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. The real troubles in your life are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind, the kind that blindsides you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Do one thing every day that scares you. Sing. Don't be reckless with other people's hearts. Don't put up with people who are reckless with yours. Floss. Don't waste your time on jealousy. Sometimes you're ahead. Sometimes you're behind. The race is long. And in the end, Tony with yourself. Remember compliments you receive. Forget the insults. If you succeed in doing this, tell me how. Keep your old love letters. Throw away your old bank statements. Stretch. Don't feel guilty if you don't know what you want to do with your life. The most interesting people I know didn't know at 22 what they wanted to do with their lives. Some of the most interesting 40-year-olds I know still don't. Get plenty of calcium. Be kind to your knees. You'll miss them when they're gone. Maybe you'll marry. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll have children. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll divorce at 40. Maybe you'll dance the funky chicken on your 75th wedding anniversary. Whatever you do, don't congratulate yourself too much. Or berate yourself either. Your choices are half chance. So are everybody else's. Enjoy your body. Use it every way you can. Don't be afraid of it or what other people think of it. It's the greatest instrument you'll ever own. Dance. Even if you have nowhere to do it but in your own living room. Read the directions, even if you don't follow them. Do not read beauty magazines. They will only make you feel ugly. Get to know your parents. You never know when they'll be gone for good. Be nice to your siblings. They're your best link to your past and the people most likely to stick with you in the future. Understand that friends come and go, but with a precious few, you should hold on. Work hard to bridge the gaps in geography and lifestyle, because the older you get, the more you need the people you knew when you were young. Live in New York City once, but leave before it makes you hard. Live in Northern California once, but leave before it makes you soft. Travel. Accept certain inalienable truths. Prices will rise, politicians will philander, you too will get old. And when you do, you'll fantasize that when you were young, prices were reasonable, politicians were noble, and children respected their elders. Respect your elders. Don't expect anyone else to support you. Maybe you have a trust fund, maybe you'll have a wealthy spouse, you never know when either one might run out. Don't mess too much with your hair, or by the time you're 40, it will look 85. 
Be careful whose advice you buy, but be patient with those who supply it. Advice is a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing the past from the disposal, wiping it off, painting over the ugly parts, and recycling it for more than it's worth. But trust me, on the sunscreen, 